I will not have her tunnel banded around this office willy-nilly. I can make that dream come true too, aka for you. Eat it out, there's people starving in the world, which I hate. Oh, love me, pathetic. Hi Steve, how are we doing? I'm good, I'm good, you? Yeah, not too bad at all. Back in the house, Back so that's all good fun. Yeah. Lock, lock down again. Um, it's been a bit of a while, we've had a little bit of a break, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Not done anything. Not going anywhere. <laughs> not been anywhere. No, not really. Um, I th- I was going to say well-deserved break after uh, a flurry of incredible guests. So, you know, just just put our feet up, just chilling out. Not for us to say. <laughs> Absolutely not. But we have managed to uh, keep those guests coming, and I think today is is, is probably one of the most exciting because. It's a totally coming at it from a different angle. Yeah, it's a spe- it's a special one. Um, I mean, we've had we've had stars in front of the camera. Um, we've had fans of the show. Um, so to have someone sort of behind the scenes and integral, really, on actually getting the show made in the first place, it's um, yeah, really exciting. Absolutely, I think um, probably. Anil Gupta, who is our guest today, we should say, I haven't actually said his name yet. He's probably, we say, most famously known for, goodness gracious me, maybe. Obviously, The Office is probably some of the most, uh, the biggest, but a lot of uh, comedy um, that maybe you don't even know he's been part of. So, uh, a big name in the, in the comedy world. Um, he was a writer with Armstrong and Miller Show. Um, and he, he did create a, a brilliant little animated show called Bromwell High that I would recommend. It didn't really get it didn't really get shown as much as I think he wanted it to when it was first released, but it's on YouTube and genuinely it's brilliant. That's my little recommendation for you. Should we do that once a week? Steve's recommendation. Steve's recommendation. Of shows that never quite made it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to ask him about it. But uh, should we bring him in and we'll uh, see what he's got to say? Let's do it. Hey. Hello. There we go. Good afternoon, Anil. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good on these uh, strange times. So uh, thanks for joining us. It's okay. Um, how, have, how have you found all of uh, the lockdown chaos? Has it been, um, I guess you're more than I fair with the Zoom call by now. Everyone seems to be uh, nailing these ones. Yeah, yeah. Zoom. Yeah. Got used to that. It's, I mean, to be honest, I've been for about i've been freelance working from home essentially for kind of 10 years so it was just Ah. more of the same for me but um, the annoying thing was having all the other people in the house so suddenly who weren't who aren't normally around (laughs) that was the problem keeping the noise down yeah i know that feeling far too well well we're really um really grateful that you could join us we've had um a plethora of the of kind of the talent from the actual show but never really the sort of the brains behind it i guess necessarily <laughs> if that's if that's the best way to to, to dress yeah. it up yeah i'm not sure that's me but um yeah <laughs> behind the camera certainly yeah that side of the camera definitely yeah. would be interesting i think um you obviously hear a lot from ricky and and steve is less <laughs> vocal but um but certainly yeah. 
obviously gets a lot of accolades for the for the office but yeah i think the behind the camera and the production side is something that our listeners certainly would be really um really keen to delve a little bit deeper into mm. and uh, it's great to um have the opportunity so thank you um i guess for those people that don't know that side of it it'd be great to understand from you i guess the most probably horrible question you'd ever get but what what exactly did it mean to to be part of it or what exactly was the input that you had and the role that you played um okay well it's probably I, a nice, nice basically a nice way of saying what so what do you do what do you do what is it you actually do <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a good question i've asked myself the same question but it's um um yeah well um, it's, i suppose I'll, the story is i was at the working at the bbc um developing shows producing shows i'd uh, done a show called goodness gracious me sketch show um and was working on a couple other things and uh the famous i'm sure you're aware of the tape that ricky and steve had made that steve had made as part of this sort of bbc training scheme that he was doing his kind of graduation tape was it was doing the rounds and um uh he uh got ashitala who was who was kind of just started in the department was was sort of trying to make his way anyway he came into my office one day and said look have a look at this and i watched that and thought yeah okay that's something and he said well we you know i've taken it to uh, the boss and he's not that interested uh what do you think i said okay well that's fine he's you know basically will you can you come in with me and i said all right so we went <laughs> in and said we should definitely do this show somehow uh so John Plowman, who's my boss, said, well, all right, maybe, um, let's get them in. So we had a meeting with Ricky and Steve and said, you know, we could do a, maybe we could do a pilot. Um, let's see how we, you know, we, we could take it up to the channel and see if we want to do a pilot. And they went, okay. So we, we basically recut, I think the original tape was like about 15, 20 minutes or something like that. Um, and we did a little cut on it and, cut it down to sort of a five minute taster thing, took it oh, up wow. to the channel, offered it to them. I mean, that's a fun, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a story in itself, but basically <laughs> there was a moment where we were told you can go first. Um, I'm assuming, I'm assuming I can just, you're just happy for me to ramble at this point. To tell me oh, of course. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great to hear. Yeah. Great to hear about it. Uh, so, this is all, all unknown really. So yeah. yeah so, so Ash and I were told, Okay, you you come off and show your little tape at the beginning of the offers round, and um, and then bugger off. And we said, right. So, <laughs> so we went into BBC Two controller, who was then uh, someone called Jane Root, and we uh, they all line up along a table, and we're uh, John goes right. These two have got something, so we stuck a tape in, played it, sat, they watched it, sort of. <laughs> no, it was always worrying when they just nod, sit and nod, and at the end. Um, she, as I remember, she turned to her schedule at the time, who's a guy called Liam Keelan, and said, was that funny? And he said, yeah. So she went, oh, all right then. So, so they said, all right, well, you can have a... And, and because we'd sort of done a rough costing and thought it's, it's going to be cheap as chips, so they said, all right, you can make a pilot. So then we go back with Ricky and Steve and say, okay, we're making a pilot and, you know, you've got to write the script and uh, all of this stuff. And they were fine about it. And then... 
but Ricky, but they were very insistent that um, they should direct it themselves. And John was not so keen on that idea because as far as he was concerned, these were two blokes who just walked in off the street really. Um, and he wasn't about to let them loose with that much of the BBC's money. So fair enough. Yeah. So that well, yeah, kind of fair enough. But there was a bit, there was a bit of a standoff because I think they'd had their fingers burned on a, they'd done a pilot for Channel Four, um, not that I mean fairly recently, at the time, and I think it didn't go very well, and and they didn't get on with the director, and I believe Steve got thrown off the set at some point. They basically said, "You have to, you can't be here." <laughs> You can imagine how well that went down. So, um, yeah, so they were quite, it was sort of almost like a deal breaker. There was a bit of a bit of an impasse at that point. And, um, and, and so I said, well, I'll direct, how about this? I'll direct the pilot um, with, because I'm happy to have input from those guys and, you know, and then if, it, if that all goes fine and we get a series, then, then they, I'll step back and they can direct it, but I'll be there to sort of make sure they don't do anything crazy. And they, so that was deemed to be, except they seemed okay with that and John was okay with that. So that's, that's sort of what happened. So then we, so they went away and wrote the script. We had to cast it, we had to make the, and then we had to shoot the pilot. And um, there was, yeah. And so I directed the pilot and then, but basically my role at this point is so Ash and I are producing it and essentially you have to talk to the talk to Rick and Steve about the scripts. They go away and write them, give them notes, feedback, uh, then the casting process. We're in on in on the casting decisions, then you know, you have to forget a location manager, find a location to discuss all of that. Basically you have to do everything. So you, nice. you then, <laughs> yeah. Then then you get the crew, then you then you're there every day for filming, then you're in the edit and then all of that stuff. So, so yeah. it's you, you to thank really for, <laughs> for that initial kind of negotiation to get, to get the pilot made. Get it, get it on. That's the main job. Get it on. Yeah. <laughs> With the pilot, there was quite a bit of narration, wasn't there? And obviously that was, that was out in the, in the actual show. Who's, whose idea was it to, to kind of steer away from that? Well, we, cause the original thing was, I mean, at the time, this, these, you know, docu-soaps, as they were called, were a big thing, right? They, they'd, I think, and it was sort of, sort of partly technology-driven because digital cameras had come in and you could suddenly, they were much smaller and you could have more, they were more affordable and you could record. And the main thing was this, the, the digital technology meant that you could record huge amounts of footage and store it relatively and upload it relatively cheaply compared to the old tape days where it was just you couldn't possibly record that many hours of footage and then wade through it. it was just it was just impractical financially so then this that had happened so suddenly people documentary makers had realized well we can just stick cameras anywhere and go anywhere and and shoot you know weeks and weeks of footage and then turn it into something and so things like what was it like driving school was it something about yeah. It was driving Maureen school, from yeah. driving yeah. school, wasn't there? And and um and then the was probably the, the big one, wasn't it? More, eh? So there was a cruise ship one, wasn't there? Cruise, yes, cruise that's ship. right. Is it airport around that time as well? Air, Jeremy from the air Jeremy yeah. was it from the airport. Yeah, yes. So all these all these, you know, normal people were suddenly becoming famous 
because BBC One was found out it could make cheap telly and um, still get big ratings. So, so they that way, and that was sort of the thing. That was the sort of inspiration a lot for for Ricky and Steve was well, what happens if you take Brent, you know that character. I think he was called. They called him CD Boss originally. That was Ricky's sort yeah, of invention. Um, and they thought, what about that guy? What if he? Because he'd be desperate to be one of those people, and think he should be. He should be because he's you know he's an entertainer. So, um, so that was, and and all those shows had well, I think pretty much all those shows would have a voiceover to, you know, be the narrator. So that was the. That's what we were doing. We were we were sort of doing a spoof of those shows, in a way. Um, so that was the original plan, and there was a lot. There was a lot. I mean, a lot of discussion about how we shot it and whether we, you know, obeyed the rules of of it being a documentary. I.e., you don't go back and, you know, normally you'd shoot it one way, shoot it the other way have the wide, you know, all that's the standard procedure for, for filming. And, and they were very keen that we didn't do that. And it was authentic and that therefore, you know, there would be the camera would have to try and whip round and to, to get both sides of a conversation. And we didn't do anything sort of out of sync, you know, a chronology, chronologically, is that a word? Anyway. Um, and, uh, yeah, when we were, I just remember when we were shooting the pilot, every we'd go to the pub every night, and it would be like, can't we just do a cutaway? Can't we just take, you know, do a reverse and get a, so that we might make it much easier to edit? And there was lots of no, no, that wouldn't happen. You'd never be able to do that in real life. And da 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 da. da. That's brilliant to know. I think there's something that everyone. I mean, the pace of the show and the the kind of the it's kind of been given the sort of merchant quality a little bit, obviously because Ricky's kind of gone off and done. A slightly mm. different genre, so to speak, and, and potentially plays to a different audience. So I think the kind of merchant nature that we've described it as, maybe we need to re rebrand that now and uh, yeah. Yeah, give yourself some credit there. <laughs> but, well, no, I think, because I think the everyone things... loves that, don't they? That well, they sort did, of the yeah, real, the, was, the realness also, of it. It was also became as we were doing it. You sort of got hung up. It's very easy to get hung up on that stuff, and you realise actually people don't really care. People aren't watching <laughs> it, going, "Well, wait a minute." That wouldn't have happened. That would be, a, you know, and, then, and documentary makers cheat. You know, they'll, they will do, they'll get people to do it again because they didn't get the right shot, you know, sure, and they yeah. pretend it was all real. So none of it's real. It's all fun. Uh, you know? uh, no, I don't believe it. You mean Love Island isn't real. <laughs> uh. <laughs> exactly. Hard to believe. So, so reality television exactly is the biggest misnomer ever. So, but the, but who cares? People don't care, right? It's it's good telly. So, so I think we got quite hung up on that, and then realised gradually actually it doesn't matter. And the other thing was we thought well when we were doing the edit, we and we got um, John Nettles who was did quite a lot of these voiceovers for a lot of the other types of shows. So to give it that authentic feel, we got him to come in and record the voiceover, which was on the original pilot. And again, we watch as when you watched it, you thought, I don't think we need this. I don't, I don't think it matters. I don't think people, I don't think the, the strength of the show is the, is that it's a brilliant pastiche of docu-soaps, you know. It's a show, it's a great comedy show in and of itself, you know. It doesn't need the, you know, the, the kind of context of the, of the documentary crew 
is the language of the show, but it's not, do you know what I mean? It's not a parody. The yeah. show isn't a parody. So, Because it, un, unlike something like an airport or a cruise ship or something where it's quite niche, I think because so many people know about that office life, they almost don't need to be told, do they? They, they kind of live it through the show, if that makes sense. You know, there's so much more you can relate to. Yeah, but also I think because we were, because it was scripted, I mean, they went away and wrote it. So when you're making a documentary, you're sort of having to invent the story out of what you've got, you know, what's given to you by the real world. They then have to go away and the documentary makers have to go away and construct a narrative. So, so you don't, so then they have to, so you need the voiceover to basically do that for you and explain what the story is. Whereas we'd, the story, Rick, Rick and Steve had written the story. So, so they don't need, you don't need that voiceover element, you know, to, because you've, it's all constructed anyway. So I think that's what became apparent. Makes a lot of sense. I'm glad it didn't have a voiceover. I think, mm. yeah, I'm really glad. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to say now though, isn't it? Oh, I guess we'd probably still love it. Uh, yes. It and also, I mean, there was another show at the time. And again, this is what, you know, we nearly, it, the show didn't, nearly didn't get made because we delivered the pilot and um, the the bosses were like, okay, it's all right. I mean, you know, again, it's important to say people weren't jumping up and down saying, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. It's going to, you know, it's going to make Ricky and Steve bazillionaires and, and everybody's going to be happy. It was, <laughs> people went, yeah, maybe, okay. Don't know, you know, and we weren't sure, you know, I thought it was good, but I didn't know how good. And anyway, I had to then go back up to the BBC Two to be, you know, say, do you want a series of this? And at the time, there was a show called People Like Us, which John Morton had written, who's the guy who does, went on to do W1A and those shows. And um, he, it was called People Like Us, and they'd done a series of that. And that was, that was, again, a spoof documentary. The idea was there was a documentary maker, kind of a Louis Theroux type character, who was going out into the world and making documentaries about real people. It's funny. Okay. And um, they'd done a series of that. And they'd been on Radio 4 as well. I think they'd transferred from Radio 4. And they were saying, do you want another series of this? And the channel said, well, okay, but we can't have two spoof documentaries. So, you know, what's it going to be? And to his eternal credit, John, my boss, said, well, why can't you have two? They're not the same show. And basically, you know, kicked up a bit of a stink and, and made them say, all right, fine, we'll, have, we'll commission them both. But it was touch and go. And, you know, I thought, thought mm, I think we think we might be in trouble here. Um, but yeah, that, that people like us had a sort of voiceover element to it. Um, so that was another reason to distinguish ourselves from that, was to not have a voiceover. You mentioned about that people weren't quite sure about it at the start. I mean, it's, it's well told that Ricky and Stephen have mentioned that it worse reviews than women's bowls or worse, <laughs> worse, worse ratings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so was there ever a point, but well, I mean, by the sound of it, it was quite a kind of torturous task to get it to air in the first place. After the initial ratings, were there ever any fears that it would have been, it was going to be pulled? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, so it went, we delivered it and they said, right, well, I think the yeah they gave us a slot it was in the summer remember it was like which is no you know well known as being nobody's watching telly everybody's out so 
they sort of try things out or stick things out they're not sure about in the summer. So I think we went out in July, August and, and we were like, well, you know, okay, at least we're on telly. And, and the, the previews that came in were amazing. You know, the press was incredible. People really loved it. And we thought, oh, this is great. And then the figures, yeah, at the beginning were like, mm, not brilliant. And then the thing, the real thing was the, um, something called the AI rating, which is uh, the BBC and others use. And it's a kind of, uh, it's like a, it's, the, it's a rating of how much people like it. It's the Audience Appreciation Index or something it stands for. And it's, yeah, they basically ask focus groups or whoever to say, did you watch the show? Yeah, okay, how much did you like it out of 100? You know, and really, you know, successful shows that people love get sort of 80 plus. And then most new shows that people are mm, kind of get 60s. And we were getting like 30s. I mean, just terrible you know, in the toilet <laughs> AIs and which, you know, isn't great. And, and they were like, really, they were like some of the worst they'd ever seen. And, and because, because I think people didn't know it was a comedy, you know, there was that thing of people would find this thing and think, is this for real? You know, like think it's for real, in which case <laughs> he's an arsehole. It's horrible. Why is this, you know, why? So, and they just didn't get that it was supposed to be funny. So, so then I think, yeah, we were thinking, oh, this really, and, we, and there's a moment when a show goes out when you're kind of waiting to hear from the channel because, you know, you don't speak to those people very often. And, you know, normally you'd get something from them saying, hey, you know, don't worry, it's all going, you know, or it's great or it's brilliant or loving it or it's thrilled, we're thrilled or, or you know, yeah, a bit bumpy ride, but don't worry about it, we'll stick with it. Or we got nothing, nothing at all, not a, <laughs> not a word, which is never a good sign. And we were thinking, oh, as the weeks went past, still nothing, oh, shit. And um, <laughs> I think like something about the, after the fourth week or something, and I got in a lift, I was getting in a lift, you're always in a lift at beat, well, used to be, what, was TV, so when TV Centre it was, we were still there. And you always stand, spend half your life waiting for lifts and getting in there because they took so long. But I got in this lift and Liam Keelan, who's the, the scheduler guy I talked about earlier, um, got in and there was just me and him in the lift and I was thinking, oh, I should probably say something like, you know, try and get a bit of a steer from him. So there's a slightly awkward silence and I said, um, anyway, so, you know, great the press has been good, isn't it, for the office? Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, right. Did you see the one in the, you know, Sunday Times or whatever? And he was going, yeah, yeah. And I said, they were love, really loving it. It's great. And he went, yeah, yeah. And we, the lift stopped, the doors open, and he walked out, because it was his stop, his floor. And then as the doors were closed, he turned around and said, shame about the figures. And I thought, oh. <laughs> you know, oh, no. If you waited really, to lose getting out as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's just like, you know, he might as well turn around and shot me. I just thought, oh, shit, we're in trouble. And, and then I think it like something like the next week, which was about week five, they went up slightly, which is very unusual again. Normally, you know, the sort of curve is you start there and you go down across the series for pretty much everything. And particularly for a new show. Um, and we'd gone down and then we went up and then we went up again week six and then the AI started to go up and then we were like, oh, 
that's all right. And then suddenly an email appears. Oh, you know, da, 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 da. <laughs> really enjoying the show. So we thought, okay, we might have dodged a bullet. It took five weeks for the penny to drop then. About yeah. five, well, yeah, I think maybe it's that word of mouth thing. People, you know, and again, remember, <laughs> this was in the dim and distant past where there was no social media, yeah, you know, the internet wasn't really a thing. So, so, you know, it was people, literally people saying to their friends, you've got to watch this show. And then that builds gradually. And, and also, the, you know, the classic received wisdom with comedy shows is quite often you don't, it's not until the second time or third time around that people really start to engage with it. And indeed, what happened was they repeated, you know, famously now or infamously, they repeated the series in something like February the next year. And it just went gangbusters. And um, yeah, so that was it. Then we would, we would, yeah, they would have another series and it was, um, it was all fine. And the other thing that happened that I think really cemented the show's kind of success was, um, I think it, was, it wasn't until after the second series, but that was the year that every, that DVD players became a thing. So, DVD players had been invented, <laughs> right? And they were really, really, really expensive. And a few people had them, but most people didn't. And then, as always happens, technology, there came a point where they were like, you know, a couple hundred quid. And everyone went, oh, we can afford that. And that was the year. So everybody for the Christmas got a DVD player, but also you needed to buy a DVD to go with it because nobody had any DVDs, right? And the office came out on DVD after the, on the back of the second series, the first series DVD was released on DVD and everybody bought it. And that, that was just, you know, crazy because again, it was a whole new thing. Never happened before that whole market didn't exist prior to that. And um, it's one of those things that I always think about Ricky, that he's just got that, you know, he's just got the, the, the Midas touch for these. He's just been, you know, the gift because he just happens to be around at the moment when these because they did the same with podcasts didn't they they yeah. they did podcast was the same yeah the you know the guardian what well, they are guardian said come and do a podcast when nobody knew what the hell a podcast was and they went oh can i bring carl and did it and it and then you know so yeah yeah Amazing. stick around that box video players <laughs> who knows what's going on for any of our listeners that uh yeah don't know what a dvd player is um well, <laughs> We'll, we'll tweet out some links to. Oh yeah, to of course, yeah. come and gone now, you see. So yeah. Although luckily, obviously, with the with the nature of the the show that we're focused on, uh, DVD players are well known, really, with uh, our audience. Tend to be a little bit more more mature, maybe mm. best way to describe them. Yeah, mm. I think so. It's interesting you mentioned about the the time because you know around the early two thousands, um, you could probably get away with a lot more things than you do now. And obviously, there's a lot of a lot of jokes in there that would probably be more scrutinized today do you think there's a lot of things that i mean as it, if the show was released today 2020 do you think it would be commissioned do yes i think it would be commissioned but i, I mean you know one of the one of my jobs when we were making a show was to was to sort of say to ricky oh, do you really want to do that i don't i don't think you should do that <laughs> and um you know I believe it or not, I stopped him doing quite a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, you might think, wow, there's a lot of dodgy stuff in this, but 
that's nothing compared to what there would have been. So oh, wow. these kept somewhere. Yeah, any of these ideas? Well, some of it we, we took out at the script stage. I mean, there was you know, there's quite a lot of nipping and tucking. And he, you know, again, he's somebody who, as, I'm, as if you're fans of his, I'm sure you realise, really delights in pushing as far as he possibly can and then going a bit further. You know, just how much, how far on these boundaries can we go? And he just likes to provoke people and annoy people to be honest, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cause a bit of a fuss. And, and sometimes I felt he was doing that. There wasn't really a good justification for that. It was just him being him. And I would sort of have to say, no, I, don't, I really don't. And then, they'd, you know, inevitably there'd be a big, I was going to say row, not row, healthy discussion, healthy exchange <laughs> of views. Um, uh, and with Ricky, the worst thing you can do is say, you're not, I'm not going to let you do that because then he just digs his heels in. So you'd have to kind of talk it through and talk it through. And quite often he'd go away saying, well, I'm doing it anyway, and then come back and it would have disappeared. So, so it was kind of a, yeah. It was Man kind of a process. requirements. <laughs> must yeah. have been interesting there. Yeah, but I, I think don't Ralph... think, he was never doing it... Um, it, you know, it was, it was always, it was always a thought out. It was always a, a reason, a rationale behind what he was doing. It, you know, they weren't doing it. They weren't being, it was never gratuitous. And I think, yeah, I take your point that there's some of the stuff that modern sensibilities and nowadays, you know, because of this whole, uh, you know, this sort of weird idea that you, that people have a right not to be offended by what they see, which I don't really understand, but you know, you think, well, um, yeah, it's not. It's yeah. not necess- uh, Sorry, it's not necessarily the um, the actual jokes or the punchlines or even the nature of what was what was aired. It's more just the subject matter now is sort of no, you can't yeah. touch these subjects now. So I mean, it must be obviously for a comedy writer, it must be difficult to to try and um, to navigate those um, yeah those waters sometimes. Mm. But I guess it, on the flip side, if you have got the the right attitude, maybe, I guess, the, the, the parody options of, of kind of modern society at the moment. Are, mm. They're saying that modern society is almost, it's almost too, it is a parody anyway of itself. Yeah. So how do yeah. you, how do you even start to, to piece that back together? It's, uh, yeah. It's and I think in many ways, the show was, you know, stands up well in terms of, in terms, you know, we had, there were, I mean, it wasn't the most diverse cast, but there was some diversity and there was, you know, we had a uh, disabled actress, we had, you know, some women in prominent roles. So there were, you know, compared to a lot of shows then, and even still now, you know, actually in terms of its representation, it was doing stuff that, I mean, quite rightly, but doing stuff that people hadn't been doing up till then. Um, it was just the fact that they were prepared to, you know, go to places where people said, well, don't talk about that. And again, I think because they were doing it, <laughs> it wasn't just a gratuitous cheap laugh they were trying to do. You know, it was usually coming from a place of saying the, the character, you know, Brent is in the wrong here. We're not suggesting his attitude. Brent's always here. the punchline, isn't it? His, mm. It's his attitude that, yeah, was being, um, being mocked really, but it's, mm. yeah, the use of those characters to create those scenarios, I guess, I think would be something that would be an interesting, uh, especially like obviously we say about the, the nature of it airing and it's word of mouth that spread. I mean, imagine if it, if, if Twitter was around during the time and mm. it was kind of placed now, what the sort of, 
hashtags would be going on. It'd be really interesting to put it in this time and see what happens. But, mm. um, but yeah, maybe it's for the best <laughs> that we can't. Yeah. I think um, with uh, obviously the, the kind of the social media aspect and, and Brent and, and kind of those elements as well. So had, had Ricky kind of already shaped that character or, did, or were you able to, to kind of input obviously that one, obviously he, for years was kind of known, oh, he's just the same guy, but obviously there's a lot of character depth there to create the storyline. But would you say mm. you managed to kind of uh, mold him in that sense as well? I, no, I wouldn't give myself that credit. I think he, that character came, if not fully formed, but very, he was, he really inhabited that character from the beginning. Um, and I remember, I mean, that was the thing that when I first saw that tape and it was the, the scene which was in the, I mean, a lot of that tape was ended up in the pilot really, but it was that, you know, the, um, you know, if a good man comes to me, that one, um, <laughs> you know, thank you, David, for the opportunity, that, that scene, um, uh, and he's doing all the stuff and all the little mannerisms, the tie, you know, the AKA, or, you know, that bit <laughs> was all there. And that's very, you know, that's, that was like immediately thought, okay, this is, this is something this guy he's really got this character and then when we were doing the series there was the scene where he he sort of begs jennifer for his not to fire him and oh yeah um, don't don't make me redundant don't, yeah please don't please don't make me redundant that, and that was i remember i well i remember we shot that scene it was the first scene of the of a day and I remember thinking that was the only, that was the first time he'd really had to do any sort of properly emotional. Yeah, that's, I always think as that must be the hardest thing. I think so, you know, some actors go, oh, I cry under, you know, I can turn it on whenever. But I always think, God, that must be really hard. Like, can you, and, and you know, Ricky's not, a, he didn't go to RAD or anything, he's not a trained actor. And you're thinking, I'm thinking, is he going to be able to do this? I don't know. So <laughs> we, you know, we, it was the first scene of the day and I was thinking, and I remember Steve saying to Steve, maybe, you know, maybe start, have a couple of pass, couple of rehearsal passes and, you know, make, warm it up a bit. And cause I used to like to shoot the rehearsals cause he thought, you know, you never know what, what you might get. And I would be like, you know, he might just kind of, he might need a bit of, you know, <laughs> warming up here. <laughs> and they were like, no, we think we'll be all right. And they kind of, yeah. He sort of nailed it from the beginning and, and we were all sitting, I remember sitting around the monitor and just thinking, shit, like every, you know, and everyone was tearing up a bit and thinking, oh my God, this is really emotional. And I thought at that point, uh, he's really good. He's really, really good at this. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he, I, I think he kind of had Brett and, and, you know, a lot of that he may not care to admit, but a lot of that is because he's a lot like Brent in many ways. <laughs> a lot of it, a lot of it is sort of him, you know, with a slight twist. So that, you know, and that's true of, I think, a lot of really brilliant performances that actors give is sort of, in, you know, you know, not as to be, as that, but they to be that good. Yeah. yeah they to, to be that good, it has to have it, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think there's a definitely an element of, of he's a sort of exaggerated version. 
<laughs> love it. Oh, I don't think ever and we've ever that's never been maybe officially admitted. I think it's always been like a, <laughs> well, he's a kind of, I'm just yeah. paying that for him, but I don't know if he yeah. But I think fans of the show and fans of his will probably I don't know, it's almost like it's obvious. It has to be, because I mean where does that come from if, mm. if nowhere yeah. but but the talent's obviously there. I mean, especially the kind of the high laughs with the the high emotion as well. It's something he's he's been able to create all the all the way through, really. Mm. So, and he's a you know he's a, he's a Ricky is a you know a much smarter person than Brent, and is much has a a greater level of self awareness. But he's also he is capable of being a you know slightly pompous and you know <laughs> getting off on his own thing and not really. So yeah, as I say, it's not he's not Brent. But Brent has strong elements of Ricky. Fair, fair, fair way for there. Good save. Good save. <laughs> Spoken to a few of the, the cast, obviously, and um, and they've always everyone's always said the the episodes, the, the fourteen episodes, that's enough. It was done perfectly. You know, there simply couldn't be any more. And I know it's um, it's well publicised that Ricky and Stephen always said. We're never going to touch it again. We couldn't ever do any more. Um, but with the success of the US version, have you, has there ever been that kind of, it's a shame that there weren't more and it wasn't kind of a bit longer? From me personally, no. No, I always kind of thought they were right. And that, I mean, we could have, yeah. I mean, I, you could have done more, I suppose, but not, they were, like you say, they were very clear. They didn't want to. And then, so then, if they don't want to, you can't do it. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fairly binary equation, you know. It's like, what if, if they were doing it reluctantly, under protest, it would be shit. So, yeah. yeah. We spoke to David Shaw, um, and yeah, he was, he was upset that there was only the two series and the special. Bunch. <laughs> uh, yeah, bastards. Yeah. More royalties, if more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, everyone on everyone on a percentage, I'm sure, is very upset they didn't do more. But you know, I think um, they. But also, you know, <laughs> apart from anything else, Ricky is famous. You know, on the record, he's famously said, you know, said he's a, essentially quite a lazy person. So, you know, it's quite hard work making TV shows. It sounds like it's not, and you know, I'm sure it's a lot easier for him now that he can basically say, right, we're only walking between two and four, and I get a massive trailer and someone comes to carry me to the set but you know when we were doing that there was no money and so it was all long hours and you know we basically just had to sit there and shoot it and not you know it, it wasn't very showbiz um and uh for you know for ricky who's on camera almost all the time when he's not on camera he's behind the camera director it's hard work so if he doesn't have to which he clearly doesn't <laughs> then why then he's not gonna is there Fair enough um, I don't know, surprise, I suppose. Like you've mentioned earlier that they were, they were two relative nobodies when they, they came in and pitched the show. When it finally got to the, the point it was being made, um, and it's, it's again well publicised that Ricky liked to mess around. Was it ever kind of, firstly, difficult from your point of view as a producer, and secondly, kind of a bit of surprise that these, these two nobodies have come in and they just seem to be mucking about? Um, <laughs> obviously, they got the job done fantastically well, but 
you know, having a laugh whilst getting the job done. Whilst getting the job done, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's uh, one of those. Um, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, no, I don't mind the mucking about because I quite, I quite enjoy the mucking about. So um, that wasn't an issue for me. Um, there was a couple. I remember when we first stopped, we, we started doing the series, a couple of like the... Uh, someone that they call the production executive who sort of oversees shows that that are being made for either for the independent company or in this case the BBC for the department so they kind of keep across the budgets and you know what's going on and um, make sure you're spending the money properly and all that stuff um, so the production executive and also I think the the production coordinator or one of the, you know, people who'd sort of professionals who'd done the job for a while. And they got, they both got very concerned about what we call our, what you call the shooting ratio, which is the amount of stuff that you shoot, the amount of minutes you shoot compared to the amount of minutes on screen, if you see what I mean. So. Time is money. <laughs> yeah. Time is money, exactly. And, and, and it was, and it wasn't even the time because actually one of the great things and the things that I think was, was a huge reason for the show's success given that you know they were relatively new to it was the fact that we it was in an office so we the location was an office we just rented some empty office space happened to be in Teddington Studios which is useful because they had all the infrastructure for TV there but but it was essentially an office it was an empty production office and so it was pretty cheap and we could just rent the whole thing kit it out with office furniture we got secondhand from some bloke's dad and and um, and then just be there. You know, there was no normally you're on a location to go. Look, we've only got this till three. You've got to get it all done because then we're off and we're not coming back. Whereas we were there every day, all day, every day. So there wasn't that time pressure in that sense. Mm. And that meant they could just shoot the ass off it. You know, they would just go do another take and another take and another take and we record that and record that. And it was. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, I alluded to before about digital technology, but it was like, well, normally in the old fashioned way, you would say, okay, print takes four and seven. They'll be the ones that we'll take to the edit. And so the, you know, the production will be going, which ones, which take, which, and they go, all of them, all of them. We, we want all of them. <laughs> and she's going, what? And the production staff's going, how, what? If he's gonna, you know, and I said, well, storage is cheap, isn't it? I mean, we can, we can, you can upload it all and stick it. I mean, it's not, it's relatively, cheap to do that and she's like yeah but it's going to take hours in the edit to go through well I was like well <laughs> okay <laughs> so anyway they got very worried about that but um but in the end that was fine and and I think as they went Ricky and Steve got better at working out which takes they want but they did but they did spend hours in the edit and they they were quite happy to do that um and again you know it was just Nigel who was the who was a pretty young pretty inexperienced editor and um, didn't had no idea what he was <laughs> he was getting himself <laughs> in for. Um, but he was, but that was probably just as well because I'm not sure an experienced editor would have put up with the kind of crap he had to. But um, uh, yeah. it just seems like a perfect storm, doesn't it, of all these kind of new technologies and well, exactly the right the right people at the right stage of their career just kind of coming together to. Yeah, to yeah, create that's this the thing. Perfect, I mean, that's perfection, these, I guess. Well, it's, you know, it's one of these things in, in 
not just in TV, in, in all aspects of life, where people say, well, so what's the secret? How do we, oh, I see. So you need to get a person doing this or it's a show about this. And I'm thinking, there's so many more variables. There's so many more <laughs> unknowns that you can't possibly, you know, legislate for. So, yeah, you just have to, you, sometimes you get lucky with these things. And um, that was certainly one occasion. Do you find that it's had a bit of a, I, I, I don't know whether I guess you'd get the same uh, feel of this as maybe some of like the characters do, obviously, who are kind of famous for the lines on social media, etc. But it seems certainly from us from, from doing this over the last few years that there seems to have been a kind of almost resurgence and a, and a kind of community of people that now literally live their days just talking to each other in officisms and um the, the, the whatsapp groups and the facebook groups that are out there that just it's there's there's almost like it's part of language now kind of almost i guess to say shakespearean might be a bit extreme but the amount of um effect it's had on people's personalities is 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 mad really i think and especially for us who were probably kind of early teens or mid-teens that it came out who probably didn't really have a relatable uh, life to, to kind of understand the show have come to it later and all of a sudden it's it's iconic mm. and now forms part of our character it's difficult to understand where where our language ends and the office begins sometimes it's but it seems to it seems to have had a resurgence over the last five ten years but maybe that's just um from the awareness of us being in and around it more but i don't know if you yeah, feel that as part yeah. of a, one of the creators maybe whether that's kind of whether that resonates with you as well I'm not, I, you know, I'm too old and out of touch now, but I don't, so I don't, <laughs> don't really get, don't know. I mean, I do get certainly, you know, like my kids, friends, my, I've got daughters, so they're not, they're, you know, it's not, it's kind of quite blokey generally. It's a hefty male audience. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Lads, so, lads. Um, yeah. So it's, but they've got friends who, who, when they find out what your dad did the office, oh, hang on, something's beeping. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, they, yeah, get all excited. And so there's, you know, not, there's a, yeah, they've come back from school and gone, oh, that bloke got really, really excited when I told him you did the office. And I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, there's a couple of, which, and again, they're sort of 15, 16. So, and I think the US, the fact that the US office was so huge and then is it on Netflix or is it on Netflix or whatever it's on. Um, yeah, and sort of Comedy Central has it on, kind of repeats, and Dave, um, I think now, isn't it as well? And yeah, so people it's pretty much everywhere, that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so I think people find that and then come to back to the UK one, and um, you know, and I think that's uh, it's sort of a function of of again the way TV is consumed now that that shows that may have just sort of faded away have a new life and i mean you know my well yeah say i've got daughters so i mean they they just watch friends and it's like well this show finished <laughs> 10 years before you were born you know but it's there and so they, they find it and then yeah. the language thing i think is interesting but i think that was always you know amongst comedy nerdy boys right of you know of whom ah, i was one you know ah. i was one when i was you know that age. so so it's it's that is what you plug into at a certain age becomes the sort of language that you use. So, you know, the, and there was always the, you know, growing up for me, there was the Python thing and, you know, shows like Not the Nine O'Clock News, which we would just watch and then go into school the next day and just do as much of it as you could possibly remember. Yeah. <laughs> and then by the, rec, you know, back in those days, you had to buy a record and then listen to that over and over again. So you learned it all and then just do the sketches. And then in normal 
everyday speech, if an opportunity came up to use a line from a sketch or a punchline or a reference, you threw it in. And then if people didn't get it, ha ha ha, you don't get it. You're not in the game. So that's <laughs> exactly. sort of how boys work, isn't it? And I think, so yeah, that kind of tribal gang thing of this is how, this is our special stuff. Just one, one big boys club. Seedy, <laughs> seedy little men. Seedy, seedy little chaps. <laughs> yeah. Have you got a favourite um, line or, or quote or anything from the show? Obviously, we always ask all the all the guests what their sort of maybe favourite scene or or we often try and find a niche one. So normally it's like the niche of the better, whether there's a oh, really? knot that Brent does or something. It might have been difficult for yourself having maybe uh, seen it from a different angle maybe, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. A favourite one? Uh, uh... What specifically that, that Ricky's done? Oh, any, any at all. There's, there's a few. Like, for example, for me, I just, when, when Brent just goes, ah, I mm. just think stuff like that. I just, I don't know. And when you do that, and, and like you say, someone gets it, it's brilliant. Or well, I, little, I little mannerisms as well are just yeah. fantastic. I loved, again, it, just the perform, just for the, the, the brilliant, nuanced and naturalism of the performance. And it was, I think it's in the first episode, isn't it? It's, uh, he's showing um, uh, Ollie Chris, who was the, who, I can't remember the character's name, the temp. Um, uh, Ricky. Ricky. He's showing, of course, how can I forget that? He's showing <laughs> Ricky around. And then he goes over to Gareth and Tim and he goes, oh. And he's talking about the car. Oh yeah, TR4, done it up, you know, that bit. And he's and he and, and he does this little thing where he kind of does this little steering wheel thing and, and he gets it wrong and then he do, and it's just it's just a really brilliant piece of again he's kind of piling in he's got it and then he has to kind of catch himself and try and save it. I'm thinking that's very good how he's done that. So I love that and um, yeah, lots of those little little bits of those mannerisms that he does. Yeah, when people start saying something that he doesn't like and he kind of goes ah tries to just shut them down and um but That's yeah lots, but then also the you know the great the the I, I was going to say the classics but the the training day one was was just and it's kind of weird interesting because we weren't we had to you know it was, it was quite exciting because we got to go we weren't in the office we we're in a different <laughs> oh look we're in a slightly different completely <laughs> empty soulless room from the normal empty soulless room that we're in um, <laughs> And we had Vincent Franklin there doing it as well, who was brilliant. And um, when they were doing that, you know, I think there's been a rape up there. I think it was just, we had that, it was very hard for everybody not to just, not to, we had to do that several times, I remember, from just people constantly laughing at it. Presumably um, everyone knows the script, if that makes sense. Like, are there any people with, that do the kind of behind the camera stuff that wouldn't know that that was coming? Um, the runners or anything like anyone around that would that yeah, would people don't all read it they, you, you tend to you know people hard bitten cynical you know TV professionals they just know, they just look at the stuff that's relevant to them they don't necessarily read it all so um, yeah, not they might, but, we, but you kind of rehearse it a bit so it wasn't like we went mm -hmm. through it straight away but it's yeah, just sure. it was just um, yeah there were quite a lot of but also the main, I mean, the main corpse is Ricky himself. You know, he's the one who laughs the most. <laughs> so <laughs> there was, that was the other, we, the first series. So to say, it was, it was, we shot it in a, 
in a um, you know in, in some offices unused office space and it wasn't a closed set or anything so you come up in the building you go up to the first floor in the lift you turn right you go along to our area if you turn left there were some people working in offices and um, there was one woman who absolutely hated us because all she heard all day long was that laugh you know <laughs> was Ricky making himself laugh and then just howling and then it drove That's her nuts and we had to sort of at the end of the filming she was you know she would complain and it was kind of you know can you keep the noise down and we were like oh, okay sorry <laughs> and at the end we sort of had to give her you know a bottle of some champagne and some chocolates or something to say sorry and she was it was like fuck off you know <laughs> i hope i never see you again and then we come we back need... to second series and it <laughs> shows a big hit and she was like oh hi we were like yeah we need to get in touch with her we need to speak yeah. to her <laughs> yeah i have no idea what she is, but it was yeah we we really weren't we weren't popular at all in the first series because <laughs> because of ricky's cackling you know i mean it is it could you can see how it would drive you nuts if you didn't uh, yeah, it's it's funny but I think if you heard that, you know, untold times a day for however long it took to film, I can, yeah, yeah I can imagine. Yeah, there's the uh, the famous, I think it's the XFM, isn't it, when Ricky and Steve are talking about it and uh, Steve just basically alludes to the fact that it's it's great and funny, but not when you're stuck in a room with him all day writing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It's exactly. not ideal. Yeah, yeah exactly. being trapped in a, in a Ricky Gervais cackle prison must be yeah. interesting. Yeah. I think yeah. a, a lot... Years next next year has there been any talk about doing anything to kind of commemorate that sorry commemorate what the 20 year anniversary of it of it being released has there been any talk of doing anything about that not not to me but maybe that's less but didn't bother to <laughs> ring me so no <laughs> don't know no i haven't heard anything okay we haven't we to be fair everyone we've spoken to said that haven't they so far so it doesn't look like there's any grand plan just yet so okay, uh, we, good i was getting worried for a minute i was thinking <laughs> hang on we, we need to <laughs> oh don't you know <laughs> we need to lead that then i think we'll lead the charge from the uh the voice of the fans and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah absolutely 20 years celebration spoken to have been receptive to it and they, they said it's something that they would be they'd be up for so you know we're, it we're, would be it'd be great i'd love to see them all again i mean i don't see you know i occasionally bump into people but i don't really see them. they've all gone on to become you know international megastars which is a bit annoying so you never <laughs> always very busy um but it was a lovely time it was really i mean that was the other thing i had this a really nice you know sometimes you film stuff and it's a pain in the ass and everybody's miserable and and people don't get on but we all really got on and i you know i'm some of my not fondest memories are you know sitting in Brent's office they're all filming doing something other bit somewhere else and it was like i'll just leave them to get on with this and because Ricky's, you know, going to make, going to torture Mackenzie and make him do 750 takes just to piss him <laughs> off. So, and it would be me and, and Martin and, and um, Lucy sitting around playing consequences in Brent's office, you know, just pissing about. And um, nice. Yeah. They, it was, they was all, everyone was really lovely. So it was a, a really nice crew and, you know, kind of gang. Everybody was sort of committed. And, and you know, was, I mean, it was always this, this big thing about how do we populate the office, right? Who are the, who are the other people in the office? Now, normally you'd hire some extras, right? Obviously. Um, and the thing about extras is the people who are extras is they're not usually actors. They sort of do it because they quite like 
being around film crews, but mainly they're there because they get some money and they get free meal. And that's, you know, <laughs> that's always a big thing. And, and they're sort of, you know, this, there's obviously there are extras who are talented actors and trying to get into it, but a lot of them, are, they're sort of bodies. And so you can't actually expect them to do much performing but we thought, well, we're going to need these people there all the time. And you never quite know when you're going to get caught in the back of a shot or because of the camp, because of the nature of the filming style. And so we thought, well, we'll get proper actors, you know, and, you know, given the sort of increase, given a sort of do a deal with them where basically we could be paid to be there the whole time. And they need to act all the time. So there was, so all those people there were, were, you know, were actors, were, and, and they were lovely and, and you know, it was, because it was very easy to get quite pissed off. <laughs> Just sitting here, I, I'm basically doing an office job, but actually this computer doesn't really work. So it's, you know, um, it's, it's even more soul destroying, but actually they were great. And um, I think everybody really felt like it was, they were making something special. So I think everybody got that sort of, you know, joint commitment. I guess, yeah, the, the double whammy element of kind of, I think, is it, um, Tim, at the end, isn't it? It says you spend eight hours a day with these people and you kind of get that sort of the office uh, sum up almost. And I guess you actually yeah. had that. You had, the, you had an office and, and, a, and a family almost uh, with that. So I guess it helps with the feel. But yeah, it must, yeah. Have been, <laughs> must have been interesting just, yeah, just literally just watching it. Just, I think it'd been great to sit and watch that all day, but watch it happen. But you can't, of course, you can't watch it happen because you have to not be watching because you're working. <laughs> yeah, so you can working. hear it in the background, but actually, you have to be pretending to work. So, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's you know, filming is quite, for a lot, a large amount of time is very boring, and there'll be lots of, you know, you, you'd be sat at a desk in your office outfit, you know, your cheap suit, and and people would go, well, we were going to be here all day, and the for a lot of it, you will just have to sit there. You can't really go anywhere and you can't talk to anybody. And so, you know, they were very <laughs> just, just get really good at Minesweeper. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and what was the other game that you used to be able to play on desktop? The Solitaire. Cards? Solitaire. Solitaire. That's it. Yeah. Solitaire. Yeah. I think there was a lot of that. Let's <laughs> of Solitaire and Minesweeper pros come out of it. Mm. <laughs> yes. I love it. What's the whole of the, was the whole of the story and the, the kind of the whole arc created before obviously they, was that all done and dusted in one sort of sitting? So everyone knew from episode one where the end of the Christmas special was ended up, that that was kind of sewn uh, up and done. Oh, no, no, no. Series one was written and then series two was written. And then oh, okay. Was written. So yeah, no. I've always wondered if it was all kind of predetermined right from the very start or whether it sort of developed along the way. No, it, well, no, no, absolutely. Went with the, I mean, the, the early discussions after the pilot, after the after we got the commission to do the series and there was, we talked, had a sort of general chat about how that would work. And again, they were one of Ricky's big things was, oh, the, the show, it's got to be about how boring it is being in an office and the, the mundanity and, tedium of office life and you know it's I remember thinking well yeah okay but but that's boring right <laughs> that's the point that's so so you can show that as the context for this stuff but but it's really about people and this little family and you know and so 
there was some discussion and you know i kind of said i think you need a you need a series arc you need some stuff going on you know you need some and the you know in the slightly wanky language of, of you know script writing it's like you need what you know what are the stakes you always say right what are the stakes? why does it matter why does any of this matter and it has to, so the stakes have to be high for those they don't have to be high from people looking out you know it, it wouldn't it it can be stakes that don't necessarily matter to you or i as viewers but if it matters to the characters then that's okay that's what is important and we talked about that and we talked about a series art and i said you know the, i remember thinking what well, saying well the classic is you know will they won't they boy meets girl you know there's another, all these stories are as old as the hills right they're just variations on the theme and they kind of went mm, um, um, and then went away and then came back with these scripts and we were like oh shit this is <laughs> fantastic so <laughs> you know the whole Tim and Dawn thing was there. So that was, they sort of built that in. And then, and you know, the first episode, the guy comes in and says, well, you, you, your jobs are at risk, right? Mm -hmm. The whole thing is you could just lose everything. So that's suddenly it matters is important. Right. And it's, and then the boring thing is, oh, well, let's every now and again, we'll cut away to the photocopy going, ka -ching, ka -ching, ka -ching, ka -ching, ka -ching. that does the boring stuff. You don't need to show any more boredom than that. So, um, but yeah, so series one, and then it was obviously those arcs are going to play out, and that's just extended. I love it. I think uh, we always, we've had debates, and uh, I think even like the social media polls of whose payoff was the best, whether it's Brent's win at the end with his joke that everyone laughs at, or uh, or telling Finchie to fuck off. Fuck off, Finchie, yeah. <laughs> yeah which is, a, I think we all cheer. Big win. Yeah. <laughs> um, or obviously the Tim and Dawn kiss, and I think the obvious the obvious kind of uh, win for us when we thought when we put it out was the Tim and Dawn. But actually, I think people um, followed that that Brent win a little bit closer than even we thought it would be. So uh, mm. the way the payoffs come at the end is is what everyone's waiting for, isn't it? It's brilliant. And those Christmas. Well, I think also if, you know Tim perfect. and Dawn, of course, you know again you know how these stories go. That's how there's a certain inevitability to it. And you, you know, you're either gonna dash everybody's hopes and they won't get together, or you're gonna make everybody feel good and they're gonna get together, Hooray, right? But it's not. He did both. He put, put her in the taxi to go and then brought her back. Brought her back, yeah. But it's not. So it's done. <laughs> they did it brilliantly. But it's not. I think the fact that you suddenly find yourself cheering for Brent was, you know, people surprised themselves. I think that was yeah. important. And that's again, I think there was a sort of misunderstanding about the show generally, but specifically about Brent, which was that, oh, it's a nasty show and it's about nasty people who are horrible. And it was never that. It was about human beings and he's flawed, but he's not horrible. No. You know, he's, he's trying to do, he wants to be loved. And, and you see all, you know, the fact that at the end, the fuck you, Finchy, you're going, yeah, good for you. Oh, look, he's going to be happy. Good. I'm pleased for him because he's not a monster. You know, he's a, he's a, just a normal guy. And I think everyone going, there's a certain element of sort of, I always think, you know, in sort of pop psychology terms, there's an element of self-protection and denial when people go, look at him. Oh, he's awful, awful. And you think, mm, or is he you? You know, because <laughs> yeah, 100%. we're all 
we're all a little bit Brent, you know, and uh, more than rat rats we'd like to admit. I think you always find that with um, when something terrible happens, it's normally maybe like it's a bit deep, but like you get like a child will go missing or something, and the, the immediate response is anger. Like, how can the parents let this happen? It's a disgrace. But in actual fact, that reaction is a protection because you're trying to pretend that it can never happen to you because you'd have mm. this control. And I mm. think that to bring you full circle, I guess the first it took five weeks for the penny to drop. Maybe that's everyone's realization that actually, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm David Brent. Well, I feel, yeah, I don't know. I think <laughs> I think it's t- certainly by the end that the fact that people were pleased for Brent that he's you know oh, he's got a girlfriend and oh and he's told Finchie to fuck told that he stood up to the bully and you know and he's and the, and you know they they do all like him really you know I mean for all the kind of oh you know he's a twat but he's a, but you know he's that classic you know he's a twat but he's our twat you know it's, that, it's that. <laughs> yes. You've said this before, haven't we? It's you know, he might he may be a bit of a twat, but at the same time, he's a boss that I would personally like to work under, because mm. a bit like we've mentioned it before. I think Ricky's even made the exact same point that he's a bit like the substitute teacher that you know he comes in and you say, "Didn't you have trials?" That that's it. Yeah, kick back. It's, yeah. I, I can chill out now. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> you, can you hit? A, could you? Can you score from four yards? Well, probably not anymore. No. You know, <laughs> Bloody love football. Yeah, uh, bloody love it. But yeah, so that exactly. We're all there's all a bit of there's a bit of that in everybody. And I think uh, that was another thing. I remember that, that um, when we first talked to the boss about our boss about the show, he said he denies it now, but he definitely said it. He said, um, "All right, fine, but he can't be the main character." Meaning, Brent. oh wow! And I said, "What?" he's the whole show are you crazy and he was like no because you know and he's sort of one of his reasonings one of his reasons was he just not you know nobody could be that incompetent and not get fired and i thought first of all hello here we are at the bbc have you looked around (laughs) and and second of all who says he's incompetent right he's not incompetent there's no suggestion that he's no good at his job He's all right at his job. He's perfectly, you know, I mean, we don't really get into the mechanics of paper distribution and stuff, you know, but it's no, there's no suggestion that the thing isn't working as a, as a ongoing business concern. It's just, he'd rather be doing some other stuff, you know, so. For those people that do what, what many would call a mundane sort of boring day-to-day desk job in an office. I think we've all got that kind of part in the, in the side of our brain. It's a bit like, I'd love to be a rock star. I'd love to be this or that. You know, I think that's, mm. that's a fairly natural, natural thing for everyone. So, exactly. Although, although it's exaggerated in Brent, I think most people could relate to that, especially if you've got this guy that, as you've said before, he just wants to be famous. Suddenly he's got a TV camera in his midst, then he's going to be in his element, isn't he? It's mm. natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, again, another, just thinking about that, when the, the how important that was the, the the acknowledgement of the presence of the camera for the tone of the show but it was that ricky again thinking about the nuances of the performance and things that you love it's the little the look the little sideways glance just to see if anybody's you're getting it. did you see that yeah. it's pretty good or or well, i hope you didn't see that kind of guilty look you know those they, they were great and he's so good at that and that was um but again it, that's the you know the, <laughs> 
I've, there's a mate of mine from college and he, he used to do that. And we always used to take the piss out of him because he would do that. There's no, no, he would, you know, we've all got that thing, you know, everybody does that. You say something funny and then you'd kind of, did anyone, did we all get that? Did you, or you do something that you think is quite cool and you give them the, you know, and we used to call it the look. He's done the look. Look, have you seen him? He's just doing the look because he thinks he's quite pleased with himself. So that's just a thing that lots of people do. And for, for Brent to have the camera there, he was just that little sideways. He's so clever at doing that. It just yeah. focused it, didn't it? Of, uh, mm. Yeah, where to be. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I left you. Mm. Uh, she has left him. Uh, she has left him. I forgot about that. Yeah. Forgot yeah. About that. <laughs> <laughs> There's another bloke called David. And then the little yeah. Yeah. It's, perfect. it's perfect. Yeah. I think, I think that's where a lot of the love and the, especially like us nerds and a lot of I was going to say our nerds then, but they're not our nerds. We don't, we don't own them, but <laughs> girls like it. Um, I think, yeah, the, the conversations and the niche call outs and the, the conversations that we have with each other where those are just repeated on end is just brilliant. And I guess the production is what we have to thank for that, the way that it was just pieced together in those elements. Even I think, is it when uh, Finch is leaving the voicemail and uh, mm. tell him not to look up Jennifer Taylor's last skirt? Mm. I wasn't. And the, little, yeah. the, little, the camera obviously is is directing such a place that it calls it out. It's brilliant. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, loads of that. And which, again, uh, a lot of that's, that goes to a lot of, you know, that discussion, when I was saying about the endless discussion about whether we would be able to reposition the camera or, you know, if it was a real documentary, blah, blah, blah. Of course, a real documentary maybe wouldn't know that was about to happen. So wouldn't have had the camera in that position. It would have had to be completely serendipitous. Now, when the sure. jokes are, are that densely written and, and that carefully worked out, you have to do them justice. So in the end, you go, no, no, you just put the camera in the best place to get the joke, right? Don't worry about whether or not that would have been possible in a emotional, real documentary that you were making. So, yeah, but that, they did a lot of, there was quite a lot of work. And again, because we had the time, because we didn't have to move locations, we could they yeah. could spend a lot of time working out where's the exactly the best place to have the camera and when do you all those pushes and push-ins that happen those kind of start on the mid shot and then you zoom in oh look something and that's it that sort of visual language which has been which everybody does now and people you know or so many shows use that technique now which was i mean it's not they didn't invent it but it was at the time you know it was a new a rel a new go around of that thing just to just to punctuate and think, oh, hello, something interesting is happening here. Let's go in tight. Um, so that that they sort of that was worked out. And Andy Hollis, who was the DOP, was that between them they kind of worked out that language over the course of the first series. And um, I think that again, that was another hugely important element. What What were your thoughts on the the life on the road, the movie, obviously that that came afterwards? Because I think a lot of the criticism of that is that it sort of lost the that those values i guess in terms of the the tightness of the of the kind of the filming and the documentary side of it i think was it i can't remember who it was we were speaking to but mentioned obviously that ricky would walk in one door and then the camera would already be in there and it didn't have the same um a level of detail i guess that the actual office had but i guess it wasn't required because it was just a bit of additional brent footage but yeah, I, do, I think it's, again... Whether it damage, does, it da different. does it damage the legacy at all, I guess, in any way? I don't know. 
Probably not. <laughs> not, not, not for me. I mean, I'm not. I, you know, it was it was all right. I didn't it, I didn't love it, but you know, who cares? It was. It, <laughs> so I'm sure. I'm sure Ricky's not bothered. But it was. Uh, it was. Um, it, you know, it wasn't because you take again. It, it was a family, right? And you take him out of the family and put him with some other people, and you go, okay, but they're not. That's not the family. That's not. Yeah. You know, where's everyone else? And they're not my dad. <laughs> yeah. so it's sort of a different thing you know it's not the same and um, yeah um, that you just have to take it on its own merits i think and not expect it to be like that even if it wasn't the office i think everyone could appreciate a bit of bonus brent yeah I mean, exactly I mean, it was still great stuff it. you've got to take it as that you know it's a bit of extra yeah. enjoy it for what yeah. it is yeah. Yeah, was yeah. It? Uh, george george riley said a bit of red button brent Perfectly summed up. Very BBC yeah. as well. <laughs> Very on brand. Yeah. yeah, exactly. How's uh, how's everything been for you personally? Obviously, working TV stuff has that all kind of been shut down and theatre sort of lost productions for you currently? Uh, well, yeah, there was a theatre uh, play that we'd done that was just being remounted, and the dress rehearsal was the day before lockdown. So that was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and God knows when they're coming back. Yeah, the theatres are in real trouble, so I don't know. Don't know when that's gonna get when the, they're gonna the get dress back. rehearsal was the day before. So that's what months and months of yeah, proper yeah. intense setup. Oh, so, yeah, they had, they had several weeks of, of rehearsal, and then it was all ready to go. And I think opening night was going to be the you know the Friday or something, and lockdown happened on the Tuesday or something. I can't remember oh. what it was, but it was pretty much yeah. And it was, you know, you, you, it, they were kind of, it's brewing. And thinking, is, is this going to happen? I don't know. But you had to assume it, we were going to go ahead. And then, yeah, bang, everybody go home. Um, so theatre, yeah, theatre is a bit of a, bit of a shit show at the moment. I don't know. TVs, they've started making shows again. They started recording. And, you know, it's, um, but again, as soon as anybody tests positive, you know, doing lots of testing and then somebody tests positive and the whole thing gets shut down. So, Damn. yeah, don't know. Does anybody know? I don't know how it's going to play out. No, certainly not. Mm. No, I think yeah, anyone's no. guess is best. I think mm. we're, we're just looking forward to the, um, I guess, next year's shows of kind of the Zoom comedies and, uh, and yeah. everyone, how everyone kind of puts their own spin on it now. Yeah. We've got some ideas. We've got some ideas, exactly. haven't we, Steve? Yeah. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of Zoom shows, a lot of people, a lot of three-handers, a lot of, uh, yeah. Mm. But, yeah, don't really know. Don't really know how it's going to play out. Um, but, you know, is there, is there something a, will happen. Is there a sense of pride, sort of personally, being a, a major cog in The Office, which has, kind of a few years on, spawned shows like People Just Do Nothing and This Country and, and things like that? Because they've obviously, they've got that element of a, kind of a genesis from the office hmm. do, do you kind of see see that as a kind of you know not not necessarily in, a, in an arrogant way but a kind of a yeah we 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 did this we we started this kind of I, well, yes, uh, i'm still very proud of it and it's it's certainly something that you can you know there's not many shows you quite often you'll go oh, i work in telly and people go oh, yeah what have you done and you go <laughs> this and that and they all look blank at you and then People quite often say, well, I don't really watch telly anyway. So, and you go, okay, right, thanks. Um, and and the what office have you ever done on telly? So. Yeah, and the office is something that 
that pretty much everybody you say I've done, I did that and they all go oh and it's <laughs> yeah so shut up so um <laughs> yeah um, what have you ever done on telly so don't yeah exactly yeah 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 but you can't do that because they won't get it but but yeah they um yeah so they yeah it is it is i'm still very proud of it and 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 like you say the people still it's still people new people are still coming to it and it's still relevant and um and i do yeah i mean i yeah this country the first time i saw that i was like wait he's just doing gareth isn't he was (laughs) he's literally gareth that's quite weird um even the hair even the hair exactly so um and yeah people do just do nothing and think yeah you do think oh yeah that's obviously borrows a lot or you know owes a lot to that the office sort of sort of style tone you know i don't know what you want to call it but um but you know that's fine we you know everything's nicked everybody nicks everything from everybody you know that's that's just normal i mean when um when he used to get Martin, when Martin had to do a look to camera, I remember they, Ricky would just shout, do Oliver Hardy, <laughs> Martin, do Oliver <laughs> Hardy. So, you know, that Tim kind of, oh, you know, exasperated when Gareth's being a real idiot and he has to kind of give that look of, you know, he almost sort of does the time um, because Martin could do a, a good Ollie Hardy impression. And so, you know, yeah, Laurel and Hardy were doing that. Yeah, again, they would say, oh, look, they look at the camera and you go, yeah, well, Laurel and Hardy looked at the camera you know, Charlie Chaplin looked at the camera. It's not, this isn't new, but it's reinvented for, the, you know, for each generation. Love it. I think you can't really sign off without saying, there goes Anil Gupta. Must remember to thank him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'd probably be happy with that. Yeah. yeah. It's the end there. It's got to <laughs> sign off with that today. Absolutely. Very good. Very good. I was just say, we're conscious that we're not, taking up too much of your time we're talk- yes i've probably got to got to knock it on the head in the in, yeah probably about now so i've got i've got to call it too i think so yes oh yeah sure well we'll, we'll let you go but we're hugely appreciative i think uh the insights there and i think that uh, i don't know i never quite understood really quite how close to the bone it was to actually getting this made and yeah and then none of this happens so uh, yeah thank you genuinely we owe you a lot no, not yeah. at all. It was good fun. It's good fun. It's good fun to talk about. It's good fun to remember some of that stuff because it was a long time ago now. And we'll uh, we'll keep you in the loop for the twenty year plan. We'll put a big yeah, definitely. <laughs> Make sure they don't forget to invite me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, surely not. I mean, the, literally one of the reasons it's on air. It's been made. So yeah, yeah. Key key player, big time, big time. Very good. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. We'll let you no go. Problem. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Speak soon. Take Cheers. Bye. 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 All right, so listen to the Out of Office podcast. One up the bum, no harm done. Wow, what a legend. Yeah, what a great guy. Really, really interesting. I don't think we've quite um, ever understood how close it was to never happening. Yeah, it's, I mean, there was so, always there was always the stories about that originally, it, it, you know, they weren't that keen and, um, you know, the, the tales about the, the bad ratings to start with are well documented, but the fact that it went through so many stages and it was even potentially at one point the 50-50 between the, the documentary kind of series. It's, yeah, there's so many hoops that it's had to jump through. It almost seems like um, it's basically they never quite got around to cancelling it. <laughs> like the guy, the guys in the office just never had that meeting or never sent that email, but they all wanted to. 
and luckily managed to hang on for another week each time and slowly claw its way back up. You put in a focus group and people are going, is that funny? (laughs) (laughs) That's a a bit of a a bad sign. I reckon that was just like sort of a bit of uh, showmanship from the woman, sort of a bit of like, I'm the big guy. Was that funny? What do you reckon? I reckon that's how it works in the commissioning well, offices at the BBC. Wait, she didn't find it funny. That's her loss. Yeah, exactly. And it Some got made. You know. Probably the biggest comedy of all time. So, yeah. Some people won't like what you do, you know, shout silly things. Exactly. <laughs> but genuinely, I hope I hope everyone that's listened to that, I hope everyone's just, in, you know, enjoyed hearing literally what it's like behind the camera. Obviously, uh, we've heard a lot from in front of it, as you said. And, uh, yeah, there's there's lots there, lots to learn there, and some little tips on script writing as well. Also, remember yeah. the stakes, remember your arc, <laughs> lots of lots of good jargon. Um, I'm going to go away and put. I think we should put some ideas in for lockdown, yeah, lockdown I'm scripts. Gonna, I'm going to go away and make my Zoom comedy. Zoom comedy, a Zoomedy. Oh, okay, you can have that. That's yours. Keep no that. Genre. <laughs> Yeah, I think like a one-man band, what a one-man show, just in lockdown. The conversations that he has in his own head. What I did like was the phrase about the extras basically do it for, you know, a bit of money and a free meal. Basically, just employ tramps. <laughs> yeah. Grab them up, get them in a suit, give them a sandwich. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Not only are you writing, uh, you know, topical comedies, you're solving political conundrums as well. The arts, the arts, you know, world itself is going to need a bit of propping up once this is all over. It's going to need to cut costs. So don't find out whatever extra fees are. Pay them in sandwiches. Trump's would be happy to be inside. Well, the thing is, though, obviously, with with the economy and especially the arts going the way it's going, like you said, you know. Trump's an extra, Steve. Is there any difference? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, See you later. (laughs) So just alienated a whole industry there. Brilliant. It's a good end. Ah. No no one really likes the extras, do they? Surely. No one's one's going to admit to being an extra, are they? I bet bet all the real actors get around and just slag them off. Yeah. Would you ever be an extra? Would you fancy it? Should we go and do some extra work? I'd love to be an extra. I'd love to be guy in background. Basically, <laughs> that's what I'd love to be. Yeah. But we'll, right. we'll look that's, at it. For that, that's the that's, actual... <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be my New Year's resolution. I want to be an extra in something next year. I think that's. I mean, that's a doable, a doable um, resolution as well. Yeah. Have you ever been an extra? If you have, send uh, send it in. Uh, email at uh, Adolf's. <laughs> don't. We don't. We don't. We're not bothered. Please don't. Um, right. Well, I'm probably going to shoot off and go and uh, go and have a beer. It's Friday. Um, we've got our next series coming up, haven't we? Should we should we tease that in a little bit? It can do. Yeah. Let's tell them a bit. We're uh, obviously uh, the staff room. It was. You know, it was it was well received. Everyone seemed to enjoy our little staff room spin-offs where we'd talk about nonsense that's happening in the world, and there's a lot going on. So we're uh, we're going to bring you a, a little staff room series uh, just to break up the the guests and the you know the proper chat. 
So hopefully by, by early October, those will be sort of out and ready to roll. If you've got anything that you, you know, you want us to discuss extras and those sort of stories, then send them in. Tramps, no. Tramps extras. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll do it all. We'll do it all. Yeah, nothing, nothing's more, off limits. I've got some more guests booked as well. So, you know, we're going to be bringing hopefully a, a fair bit of content over the next couple of months leading up to Christmas. So you're welcome. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't have to thank us. Please do. Uh, if you are enjoying it, rate, review, subscribe. Um, send us an email out of office podcast at gmail.com um, and we're at out of office pod underscore on Twitter. Just say hello, really. Just come out and wave more of these. That's all we're here for. Right. It's just waving. <laughs> um, yeah. we'll see you later. See you later.